Praise the Lord. It's like we, we didn't know a couple of weeks ago what went on with the streaming. Uh, we don't know what's going on exactly with the YouTube. It'll change. I talked to Gary this afternoon. He says this has been a week or so of the attack of, he calls it the squirrels. Reason being it's been one kind of like distraction after the other. And we know where that comes from. He was just, you know, he was taking his strides and praising the Lord and full of joy, but just weird stuff. He was, his email uh, was not working and uh, he couldn't understand it. He had somebody that's the um, webmaster helping him out that knows more than he does. And Gary knows a lot, but, you know, just weird stuff. And a whole lot of other stuff that just, so, squirrels. Why, why, why squirrels? Because they distract, you know, just, uh, I think he uses that illustration of the movie Up. Yeah, the dog that gets distracted. He's talking, you know, he's talking, having a conversation. It's squirrel, you know, distraction. And uh, so there's those things being thrown at us all the time for distraction purposes. Let me, I don't know that we'll go over all these, but Carl, would you come and get these and pass out? Uh, well, yeah, Robert, that way we have A and B. So you got one prophecy and you've got another. So everybody should get one of each, okay? And if you're, look, if you're watching tonight, um, we're passing these out because these were the prophecies that came Sunday, and we want to honor the Holy Spirit. We're very thankful for the way the Lord moves prophetically in our services. If you're watching, they're already on our website, and at this point in time, there's no need, I don't believe, in me explaining how, for you, to, how, how you can go and get those, access those, because most everybody that watches us on a continual basis are very aware of how to get to our prophecies. So these were just put up in the last couple days. Uh, take these home. Read them tomorrow morning while you're praying. Uh, very, very powerful. Um, the first prophecy, these came Sunday morning. Sunday was a very powerful service. Just extremely powerful. Gary said he didn't want it to end. He said, man, I just didn't want that service to end. And uh, it was. It was really awesome. And uh, we got a chance to minister some people that were visiting here. The first one is, I just want you. And there is, again, just some, one word that I, I see that just stands out right in the first paragraph, meticulous detail. The Holy Spirit is trying to get across to us some very meticulous detail um, in how certain he is about us being qualified to bring this revival and uh, it's pretty awesome the things that the Lord says in all of this so I would just encourage you go home read these read these tonight or in the morning or during the week it's always good to go over them I was reading these um, this afternoon coming over here before I came over here the second one is give the last of yourself to me and the Holy Spirit just keeps reiterating to us how important it is for us to give that last bit. Uh, we've never done this before. 
well, we've never been to where we're going called revival. I haven't done this and then come back from it and said, okay, we did this once. Let me tell you how to. This is new. But we have the Holy Spirit, which is our spiritual guide, and the Word, which He is using to teach us with and how to get there. So He keeps telling us, come on, you can do this. Give me the, le- give me the last, give me the rest. And there's something a lot of times in all of us that think, well, what's, 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 the la- what's the rest? What's the last? Well, he actually begins to try to, he, if, if I say he tries, he doesn't try in anything. He accomplishes. It's just us being able to articulate it. But the Lord is trying to tell us um, through vessels like myself and other people that are prophesying um, how important it is and what those things are in particular. Um, uh, I, 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 if I get into it, I'll get into it completely. Um, one, two, three, four, on the same page, the first page. Where is, where's revival? Where's revival? Where's repi- revival? Now, he's repeating the hearts and minds of a lot of us at times. says the hearts of many. Do you not understand that I had to pool and put together a group who would segregate, that means come apart, themselves. Yes, if there's any such thing in the spirit of segregation, in other words, the atmosphere of segregation, and the Lord overall is not for segregation, then he explains what it is. It's not red, white, it's it's not in race, red, yellow, black, and white, but it's those in the spirit that will separate themselves to a place where their total focus and their total life spent is to birth the thing in the earth that I've called them to do, which is specifically revival. That's us. Not everybody has that call because not everybody's been able to hear. And he says, says the spirit of grace, for many of you, For many of you, you've not realized who you are and your importance, but these things are changing. The the wind is changing. Revival is here in, in this measure, that I have separated your minds, that you are not like, I explained some stuff here, in your thought processes, most of the body of Christ. In other words, the way that he's even got us to at this point in time is totally, we, we think differently than most of the body of Christ. This does not put you in a position where I love you more, but it does put you in a position where I can communicate to you more and share more of my heart, says the Spirit of the Lord. And the last part of what he said, that's in parentheses, that's me speaking. Many of you will begin to encounter supernatural dreams and visions that will multiply. Those of you who do not have a place where, and I just heard this, this is, this is what I was speaking out this word and I've got to say it the flakiness of the flesh that can get a hold of you those of you that have brought yourself under the subjection of my spirit in other words if that's not existent in you and that's many of you in other words you're you're vacated of of that kind of flakiness I'll come to you with dreams and visions and even visitations visitations by my own self to you in the days ahead for the purpose of not your glory but the father's glory in you and through you amen
there's a, a statement in this first part um, that I was searching for. It's in the second paragraph, and it kind of spells out much of this to give you know this whole prophecy. But it was amazing to me how the Lord was articulating this. Uh, lower in the par- or halfway through the second paragraph, the enemy will accuse you of not being more involved. In other words, not being more involved with the rest of you know Christians. But I say unto you that I have not called you to a place of pride, but your time is so precious. And in between, very little can be done with interaction with anyone who is not tied into the things that I've called you to, says the Spirit of the Lord. Specifically, we really are narrowed down to a place. And I'm not advocating, he's not advocating that we do anything by way of any comparison as in let's say it the i'll just say it like this the cultic practice of it's us segregated but he's really saying we have to use our time wisely and even with christians our interaction with them we have to bring ourselves more and more under subjection of our interaction with fellow Christians who are on this walk, who are talking this talk, who have the mindset of prayer and fasting and going in. So that's about all. Read through these. We skipped over a lot of other good stuff. Praise the Lord. And when I say stuff, a lot of other good word from the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Homer and Rosie are away for this uh, through sometime next week the beginning of next week and we hope they have a relaxing time i think they're with their family in another place hallelujah hallelujah would you just worship the lord with me for just a moment father we worship you we only do what we see you do we only speak what we hear you say yes lord So, Father, we give you all the glory. We thank you for those that are listening and watching tonight. And will, in the days ahead, this particular service take us into the next place. Every every time that you speak in a different way through your word or given a different message, it's painting more of the picture of where we're to be and who we are. And so, Father, we pray your grace rest upon us in these next few moments. Hallelujah. Jesus' name. Hallelujah. So, I'll just give you the title because the title will help explain more of uh, what he has to say. And I do have notes tonight. Sunday was one of those, you know, no notes. and We often do that. But sometimes he has it very specifically for the purpose of you catching on to exactly what he has to say. The title of tonight's message teaching is don't be ashamed for expecting a reward for all of this you got this don't be ashamed for expecting a a reward for all of this what all of this what for all of this let's say 
prayer, fasting, worship, word. Don't be ashamed for, well, I know he's going to give me a, a reward then, Pastor. Well, you're right, absolutely. But we're going to show you through Scripture how that you are to expect, earnestly expect a reward here and now. Right now, for what you're doing. Well, we're supposed to be humble. I don't want nothing out of this, Pastor. You better want something out of it. We're going to scripturally, huh? Tell us. Not just in eternity, but now. Everybody say now. Hallelujah. Now, I will say this. If you have not uh, met Mr. Accuser, of how did i put it how did mr accuser of works if you haven't met that mindset or that devil you will meet him at some point in the future he's like a an uncle that nobody wants to see come to the family reunion and he can either come directly to you like a spirit coming directly to you. Or he usually likes to come through well-meaning Christians. And it's the accuser of urine works. And it's supposed to dismantle you from your pursuit of prayer. Um, usually, I, most generally and always, I would say I can't think of any other way presently that it tries to come except through unscriptural or unfoundational grace in other words believing something about the grace of god that really is not scriptural um, we've went over i won't belabor tonight how that unscriptural grace always winds up in promiscuous grace or promiscuous lifestyle it takes the road of I can do that because grace covers it all. The other aspect, that's one, but the other aspect of unscriptural or, unfound, or wrong believing kind of grace is a rejection on the part of those who don't see it clearly according to the balance of it in Scripture. It's a rejection of works, spiritual works. Because once... If you, don't, if you don't get all of the Word of God and you just get one part of something that really makes you happy and you really like to teach that and you really like to preach that, and you like, if you're not getting, get off of that and see what all of it says. You've got to see what all of it says because all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for the man of God, for you, for I, in all things. So... So the mindset of, um, it has, that mindset has a mentality of grace versus works. In other words, he did it for me, so I don't know why you guys keep harping about, and I'm not saying that's in this room so much, or maybe not even in the camera, but it could be, you could, you know, you hear the sounds of it. We've all heard it at times. People have left, I'm sure, the church here. 
because they were being accused in their own mind that we had entered into a works gospel, that we had gotten over into a place where we taught prayer so much and we taught fasting so much and we taught all the avenues so much is that we had left out the pure grace of God. In other words, his love, his agape, what we could not do for ourselves, he did for us, and on and on and on. And so uh, it is that with that warfare that the enemy attacks. That's that mindset of grace versus works. Um, <laughs> Let's go to Hebrews 11. 1. I think that's where I know that's where we'll start out. Familiar, yes. Faith. <clears throat> this is one of several scriptures that we'll use tonight. I hope this builds inside of you uh, even more of a stability of your stalwartness. I want to say that, a stalwart, a straightforward line of going into prayer. I want you to sit in your prayer closet. I'm going to point at you through the I want you to sit in your prayer closet and expect a reward that's coming. Amen. Uh, I know that it's good to have a certain amount of humility like I just don't want, you know, first we love him because he loved us. We understand that. We understand that. But because we love him, then he's asked us to give him an outpouring. Now, he can't do it himself. He is the light of the world, but we're the one that shows the light. We understand that. Jesus is not here anymore. I'm the only Jesus. You're the only Jesus that the world will ever see at this present time. But in our labors, as you are laboring, he doesn't, want you not, he doesn't want you laboring without hope. Not hope of the, the sweet by and by, but a hope that is present tense. Now let's look at Hebrews 11.1. 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Now our subject matter tonight is not faith, and neither is it hope. But we've got to mention this for the purpose of where we're going. Um, Gary's been doing some messages on faith, on hope. Uh, you know, I loved, I loved Sunday morning's message. Some of you have heard it, some of you haven't. But it was so neat because he was talking about hope and, and, uh, and then also transitioned into faith. But uh, one of the things that he shared about hope is, of course, hope is the building blocks, and I'm not saying it, you know, and I'm not even going to try to begin to reiterate what he said. I'm just going to ingest uh, for a moment what, you know, I heard him say at that particular time, that hope is the building blocks of faith, and hope is seeing something. It's seeing it. Abraham saw by illustration from God the stars. That visualization gave him something to hope for. That his seed, although his body was dead, not physically dead, but he couldn't produce children anymore, too old to produce, yet 
the stars awakened his hope, and then the daytime hope was the sand. Like, you can't number the sand. I want you to see the stars, Abraham. Look at that. Wow. I want you to see the sand in the desert. You can't number those. Look at those images and put those. And so Gary said, it was so cute. I told him, so that's why I love that part. He says, I want, he said, everybody here, and we don't have to do it. I'm just saying what he said. He said, because hope is something you see. And he said, he did this to his head and he goes, massage your hoper. This is your hoper. This is what you see. Massage it. Get it woke up. Okay, hoper, 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 wake up. I thought that was really neat because hope is something you see then faith takes it a graduated place of the something you begin to speak. Abraham began from that hope, began to change his name from Abram to Abraham, God did, and he began to speak that. So hope, which is a visualization of the things that are going to happen, like Sunday, prophetically, the Lord was you know, having me say again, and I enjoyed it. I think it kind of revved you up in the spirit too, the parking lot is full. The field is full. You know, however the Holy Spirit was saying that. The parking lot is full of people. There's a big baptismal horse trough there. And we're just week after week pumping them, you know, just putting them down and raising them up. That is a visualization of what we see in the Spirit to come. If you visualize that enough and you speak it enough, those things will come to pass if they're from the Lord, and I believe they are exactly from God. So Abraham received, the word says here, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of, not, uh, of things not seen. And as I said, Gary used that really helpful illustration of massage your hoper. Now, verse 2 says this, for by it the elders obtained a good report. Now, he names all the elders which were in which are in chapter 11 we are not going to go into all those elders that's not our subject matter tonight but we'll continue reading down through verse 6 verse 3 through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of god the eons um not the cosmos not the planets but the eons meaning the generations of time were framed by the word of God so that things which are seen were not made of the things which do appear. If I was teaching on faith, I'd explain that a lot more in a lot more explicit detail, but we're going on. By faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and by it he being yet dead, yet speaketh. By faith, Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found because God had translated him. For before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. Now, this is the verse. Read all that to read this. But without faith, it is what? Impossible to please him. For those who come that cometh to God... In other words, you're, when you come to him in prayer, in worship, even when you're fasting, you're, you're fasting before the Lord. There's, there's a difference between uh, you know, dieting, going without, that's fine, it'll help the body. But if you're fasting, it is before the Lord. You're, you're committing yourself before the Lord. 
But without faith it is impossible to please him, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is. That's the first, there, there's two parts to this. The first one is you must believe, and that's an imperative term. It's, it, it's imperative. In other words, you must believe, if you're going to please him, when you come before him, you, it, prayer, praying in tongues, you're sitting there praying in tongues uh, monotonously, just, you know, just, you don't feel it sometimes, but you're believing that he is, in other words, one, that he exists, but far more than his existence, you believe that he's the sum total of everything that you understand about him as in doctrinal truth. In other words, anything that you've ever heard concerning who God is as in healer, uh, a, a manifestation of your righteousness in you through the born-again nature, all of every truth that God is, you believe that God is. You must believe, and you must believe that he's the fullness of, of who he says that he is. That's the prerequisite or the requirement of faith. But not only as must believe he is, not just like, okay, I believe you exist, I believe you're the sum total of everything that you say about yourself, but must believe also carries with it that same sentence, uh, 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 the way this sentence is fashioned, must believe carries over into the next part of this and must believe that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. In other words, it is imperative. It, God doesn't make this like I, I, I suggest to you. But when you sit down to pray or you begin to walk, you must believe that he is. And then the second part of the same carries the same meaning or the same it must believe carries into the next must believe that he is a what rewarder of them that do what diligently seek him diligently means spending consistent time with him doing the things that he has commanded god i don't want anything well <laughs> i do i do I want the reward of a consistent seeker. I want that reward. And he said, he said this, two things that you must do when you come before me. You must believe that I am who I say that I am. Then you must believe that if you will diligently seek me, there's a reward in this for you. Something's going to take place as a result of it. Hallelujah. Praise the name of the Lord. One, we must believe that he is. That's an imperative term. And two, we must believe that he is a rewarder of the diligent seeker, or you might say the prayer person. Verse 7 says this, By faith Noah was warned of God of the things not seen as yet. He moved with fear. He moved with fear. Prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world and became the heir of the righteousness which is by faith. I want us to notice here, simple, simple Simon, but once Noah was moved, once he was moved, uh, it made him do something, which produced a, a, a reward. What was the reward? Noah got saved. I mean, he, he was saved alive. He and his family of eight all together. But the thing of essence that's important for us to rehearse to ourselves is that all through this chapter, if you've never read 
chapter 11, I think most of you have many times before, all these people that are the elders here, they did something. There was none, none of them that just said, I'm just going to believe. All of their beliefs made them do physically something. They physically, there was no just, I'm just going to handle this spiritually. All their spiritual belief had a physical action to it. In other words, it carried out into something physical. And he prefaced all this by saying, you must believe that I am and that I am a rewarder of those who consistently and diligently seek me. Hallelujah. Now turn to, uh, everybody say they did something. They did something. Okay, turn with me to James. That's real close. Hallelujah. So James chapter 2. Just the next book over. How's everybody temperature-wise? We okay? Okay, I'm good. James chapter 2. Let's look at verse 14. James says this. He says, What doth it profit, my brethren, though a man say he hath faith and have not works? Can faith save him? Now, he, what he's talking about, he gives the illustration. If a brother or sister be naked or and destitute of daily food, and one of you say unto them, Depart in peace, be warmed and filled, notwithstanding you give them not those things which are needful to the body, what doth it profit? Even so, if it hath not works, is dead being alone. Uh, in other words, if you believe or say you believe and you don't do, that's dead. Believing does. And the point of what he's, all of the prophecies that he's saying to us and our mandate is to pray and believe God and go into. So this is, this is an argument that sets deep inside of you. It's, it's already there. In other words, not the argument, but the foundation. But you're, gonna re, you're going to run into, even with other, even with other good uh, Christian people that love God, when they hear, if, they, if it bleeds over into them, your prayer life, your necessity to continually separate yourself for this purpose, you're going to run into Mr. Accuser of Works. It's, it's going to happen. So I'm giving you scripture here. Verse 18, yea, a man may say, thou hast faith, and I have works. Show me, this is what James says, Show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show thee my faith by my works. In other words, show me thy faith by doing nothing, and I will show you my faith by doing something. Does that make sense? Okay. Thou believest there is one God, thou dost well. The devils also believe and tremble. But wilt thou know... O vain man, that faith without works is dead? In other words, how simple is this? If the Holy Spirit tells us to pray and we don't pray, even though we're baptized in the Holy Ghost and we can pray these mysteries, see, my labor, my sitting on my easy chair or walking and praying in tongues 
I'm working the work of revival. That work is working in me. Is the reward for that coming? Yes. And it's not in the heavens like when I get to heaven, it's present tense. Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he had offered up offered Isaac his son upon the altar? Seest thou how faith wrought with his works? Seest thou how faith wrought with his works? And by works was faith made perfect. And the scripture was fulfilled which saith, Abraham believed God, and it was imputed unto him for righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. You see then how that by works a man is justified, and not by faith only. Likewise also was not Rahab the harlot justified by works when she had received the messengers and had sent them out another way. For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works, or so faith without works is dead also. Amen. So I would say this, so, so, uh, so revival without prayer is dead also. Absolutely. Um, this is probably not a nice term. It's hard for me not to use it because it's just, it's just an imperative. It's, it's just a strong enough term to uh, express what, what I believe is, is truth. Do you know how stupid it would be to hear the pronouncement of revival and how to get there, all the instructions and receive the instructions and not respond with the works of prayer and fasting. That's just, it, it, for us to receive that and to say, no, no, uh, there's a balance to this. I'll tell you what the balance is. The balance is going full bore into God. And again, the Holy Spirit has your day planned. He'll, he knows how many hours you can spend. But if you'll spend what he's given you, he'll increase it with more. Amen. Works in the New Testament is defined. The other thing, too, is I'll tell you this. If you ever get into a discussion with somebody who says, that's works, that's works. Do you know what works in the New Testament is? Works in the New Testament has everything to do with the law. In other words, going back under the law. That's works in the New Testament. If you go through Hebrews, go through when the, the apostles are talking about works, about Christians being in works, they're talking about Christians being under, going back under uh, the law or uh, observing different um, feast days and, and, and all the ordinances and those kinds of things. So works, works for them defined by the New Testament is going back under the law. What was Paul? Let's go, to, let's go to 1 Corinthians 15. What was Paul? What was his attitude? 1 Corinthians chapter 15. I'll ask you this, and for all of us, what was Paul's attitude towards works of the Spirit? Now I'm going to use that term, works of the Spirit, not works of the flesh. Now there is works of the flesh, which are defined in Galatians and Colossians and First um, Corinthians and uh, Galatians and Ephesians, First Corinthians. Those works of the flesh; those are uh, could be defined as killer sins. But what was Paul's attitude towards works of the spirit? Let's look at verse 
1, 1 Corinthians 15, verse 1. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also you have received and wherein you stand, by which also ye are saved. If you keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless you have believed in vain, for I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he arose again the third day according to the Scriptures. Now watch this, listen. Verse 5. And that he was seen of Cephas, that's Peter. So he's telling you that he was, he was Christ. Once he rose from the dead, he was seen of Cephas or Peter. Then of the twelve, he, he saw all of the, you know, the rest of the apostles and the one that was added to the group as a result uh, of Judas's, you know betrayal. Verse 6, after that he was seen of above 500 brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain unto this present hour. In other words, most of those 500, most of those 500 were still alive. Bless her heart. God bless her. She's her daddy. No, that's not a problem at all. Um, so she, she just saw her daddy. That's what caused her to cry like that. I'm just kidding. After that, he was seen above 500 brethren at once, of whom the greater part, he says, remain unto this present, but some have fallen asleep. In other words, some have gone on to the Lord. After that, he was seen of James, then all of the apostles. And last of all, he was seen of me, Paul speaking of himself, also, as one born out of due time. For I, he said this of himself, I am least of the apostles, that am not able or meet to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church originally, that's what he was talking about, church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace, was which was bestowed upon me, was not in vain. Paul said it was not bestowed in vain. But look at this. This is amazing to me that Paul would write this concerning himself and the Holy Spirit would allow him to say this and keep this in context or keep this in Scripture. He says, but I labored more abundantly than them all. Yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. Isn't that amazing? Here, here's, Paul says this. He names all these guys. He names Peter. He names James. He names all the apostles. And he names all these people that were following Christ. And then he says this of himself. I worked. That you, could, you could interchange work or labor. However, I worked harder than them all. In other words... Not that he was trying to up himself or create a competition in the body of Christ, but he was talking about that a grace came on him, and he used that grace to work as diligently as he possibly could in the kingdom, so much so that he testified of himself. This is what he said in all reality in the world. I worked harder than Peter. <laughs> I worked harder than James. I worked harder than the rest of the, and I'm, I'm thinking, wonder what they thought if they read this. <laughs> you know, it's like John when he was, used to say, John the, you know, 
the brother of James, he would say, I, when he wrote his, his, uh, his gospel, the one that Jesus loved, you know, he, he specified he was the one that Jesus loved. But like the rest of the, you know, the rest of them, I would think, would like, wait a minute. <laughs> Don't you think he loved us too? But I bring that up to say this. Paul saw himself as a candidate not only to receive the grace of God, but to do something with it. The grace that has come to the Family Prayer Center and all other people that are watching this, there's a grace on us to run hard, to run fast. With everything else in the world that's going on us, around about us and with your lives and a lot of squirrels around you, there's a grace on us to say, we love works. We love labor. What kind of works? The works, the spiritual works of staying in there and praying this thing into existence. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Does that make sense? Okay, so you understand. Paul boasted in Christ that because God's grace was, because of God's grace, he was able to labor and work more than the rest of the apostles. Now, if spiritually working... Just think of this, if spiritually working is against God's grace, then Paul was boasting of something was extremely, in other, it was extremely displeasing to the Lord. In other words, for the, those who believe it's all by grace, or they just take a happy medium and say, you know what, I appreciate you guys talking about prayer all the time, but you are somewhat over into works. Paul didn't see it that way. Paul saw that the more that he could work, the more that he was empowered by God to do what he was doing. Um, let's go to Galatians chapter 6. It's just two books over. Verse 6. Now I know this could be, because this is sandwiched in between a message on communicating, meaning giving, but let's look at the overall uh, picture here. Verse 6 says this, Let him that is taught in the word communicate unto him, meaning give, to him that teaches in all good things. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. Let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. In other words, if we don't stop, we're going to reap. What's the overall message here? Whatever you sow, you're going to reap. If you continue to sow to the Spirit, you're also going to reap of the Spirit. As we have therefore opportunity, let us do good. And that's, of course, he's talking about giving unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. Now turn with me to Matthew chapter 6, because then we get it straight from the Lord concerning works and reward. So our message is still about reward. So Matthew, this is the Sermon on the Mount, and we're going to go to verse 1. Verse 1 says this, this is the Lord speaking here, Jesus is speaking, verse 1, chapter 6. He says this, take heed that you do not your alms, that's giving, but it's specifically giving to the poor, but we're going to do it, 
I think we can talk about it in general just as a sense of giving. Take heed that you do not your alms before men to be seen of them. Otherwise, you have no reward of your Father which is in heaven. Therefore, when thou doest thine alms, do not sound a trumpet before thee as the hypocrites do in the synagogues. They actually did that. They actually sound the trumpet in Jesus' day and in the streets that they may have glory of men. For verily or truly I say unto you, they have their reward. But when thou doest alms or giving, let not thy left hand know what thy right hand doeth, that thine alms may be in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret himself shall do what? Reward thee openly. Now the word reward here in the Greek means this, and this is a shallow meaning of it, or never, ne- nevertheless it is a, it is a uh, uh, explicit in the sense a number of words here. Um, it means to give away, for example, up, over, back, etc., in various applications to deliver again and to give, to pay, to pay someone or to repay them, to make payment, to be made, performance, recompense, render, requite, restore, reward, sell, or yield. So if God says in your giving, although he says do it privately, yet then he turns right around and it sounds like it's almost a contradiction because he says he will reward you openly. Well, what's the open reward for giving? There is a reward, not just in heaven to come. There, 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 we know this, there are scriptures that tell us there's a reward, there's a judgment day, there's things that, that Christ will judge us, and there is going to be a reward for that. But what is the open reward presently for giving in secret well we we're not going to teach explicitly on that but you can turn there or else you can just listen one scripture really is the epitome of new testament giving and that's second corinthians 9 8 so the reward the open reward of the new testament giver is this and god is able to make all grace abound towards you that ye always have all sufficiency what does that mean you'll have all you'll always have money enough all sufficiency in all things may abound into every good work in other words the open reward of the giver is a continual supply from god so that you'll always have more than enough to give into whatever he's telling you to give into. Now, uh, your giving may still be hidden, but the good things that it produces will be before all men. In other words, you're giving something, you're seeing the actual manifestation. Your father, there is a reward in giving. Not just in mansions, which we understand not as physical homes and golden doorknobs and you know, pearl handles and all that stuff. But there is presently a a reward. Now, verse 5 of chapter 6 of Matthew. And when thou, here's another one. When thou prayest, 
Thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the corner of the streets that they may, ha- may be seen of men. Truly I say unto you that they have their reward. In other words, the visual thing that men see them doing, they have their reward. But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet, and when thou hast shut the door, pray to thy Father which is in secret. And thy Father which is in secret shall do what? What do we see again? He will reward thee openly. This is not heaven. There is a reward for prayer. There's an open reward for prayer. God promises us, and we go right back to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, we should we're mandated. We're, we're actually told you should expect, you must believe that he is a rewarder of the, them that diligently seek him. Well, what's the reward? The reward for prayer is, what's the re- reward for prayer? Answered prayer. Whoa, wow. Answered prayer. You get answered prayer. A continual influx of continual answered prayer. Um, if... <laughs> If the Father is giving open rewards, uh, doesn't it make sense that you want to participate in that? So open rewards in prayer is that your prayers are being answered. You go to a place where you're expecting. You're not laboring the hope. Why, Why are we sitting hours for some of you, less for others, but in all times, don't take a super, it's, it's okay, it's okay to say, at, at, in, in times of my intimacy, intimacy worship, oftentimes I'll say, Lord, I just want you, and that's exactly right, I just want you. But I'm expecting something more, and he knows that, because he's the one who's told me to expect it. As I labor in him, I'm expecting the end result is that I get something from this, not me per se, but I'm expecting that all this prayer interprets out to a reward. And what is the reward? Answered prayer. All that tongues are going to come to pass. Everything about it is going to transition into answered prayer. Uh, it's Luke eleven five. You know, we've got enough time, but, you know, I'm not going to belabor. But you can go to Luke 11. Keep that place in Matthew because we'll just come back there for the last of these three. But Luke eleven five. Um, says this, and we're not going to teach on this. We're just using a short portion of this. Jesus said this, and he said unto them, Which of you having a friend shall go unto him at midnight and say unto him, Friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine in his journey has come to me, and I have nothing to set before him. And he which uh, and he from within shall answer and say, Trouble me not, the door is now shut, and my children are with me. In bed, I cannot rise and give thee. I say unto you, though he will, not, he will not rise and give him because he is his friend, yet because of his, of his importunity, he will rise and give him as much as he needeth. And I say unto you, ask these three things. Ask, and it shall be given. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For every one that asketh, receiveth, and he that seeketh, findeth, and to him that knocketh it shall be opened. So let's see, um, my long hours or yours, I'm not pick, you know, I'm not putting myself, I'm just saying my as in general, as a person, as my long hours 
I should expect that it's producing bread. It's asking, seeking, it's knocking. I'm looking to, to, to pace the floor or to spend hours praying. I'm not thinking this is not going anyplace, that there's not a reward. There's a reward in this. It's, it's the bread. I'm praying down the bread, and the reward is that bread. Now look at... Uh, what is the bread? It's the blind see, the lame walk, the deaf hear, the dumb speak, the dead are raised, the demoniacs are set free. Randy's cancer is gone in Jesus' name. It's when we speak, it's done. I tell you what, uh, you're like me if you're on this path. You're just mad as you know what about unanswered prayer. If you get real, if you're passive about, mm, well, bless God, you know, it just makes me so mad every time I want to spit. And, uh, but in a right way, I'm not mad at God, but I see it, and I see how close we are, and I'm just, I'm just saying, Lord, there's a reward in this. There, what you say we can have, we can have if we keep laboring. He that cometh before God, don't forget this, must believe, you must believe that he is, and the must believe goes to the second part of that same line, must believe that he is a rewarder. Must believe while I'm laboring in prayer, I must if for me to get anything, I must believe that you're good enough, gracious enough to give me something out of this. And what is that? That is that's the uh, cancer victims. They always get healed. Amen. Verse seven of chapter six. But when you pray, use not vain repetition. Well, I bet the Holy Spirit doesn't vainly repeti rep have repetition in his prayer, does he? Even if he says the same thing over and over, it's not vain. So praying in tongues, that'll, that'll take you away from vain repetition. But when you pray, use not vain repetition as the heathen do, for they think that they shall be heard of their much speaking. Be not ye therefore like unto them, for your Father knoweth what things I, I'm chuckling because I'm just so happy because I know where we're going uh, in, in this revival. What things ye have need of before ye ask him. After this manner, therefore, pray ye, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be, uh, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And if you forgive not men their trespasses, uh, your heavenly Father... Uh, will also, uh, if, for if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your heavenly Father forgive your trespasses. Okay, well, he gets the last of, of rewards here, at least in this part. Moreover, when you fast, so this is a win. All these are wins, win, win, win. You know, like not W-I-N, but W-H-E-N. In other words, you have to make the appointment. You have to do it. But moreover, when you fast, be not as the hypocrites of a sad countenance, uh, for they disfigure their faces, that they may appear unto men to fast. For verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But thou, when thou fastest, anoint thy head and wash thy face, that thou appear not unto men to fast, but unto thy Father which is in secret. And thy Father which is in secret shall do what? Again, he will reward you openly. Well, what's the reward? Let's see, what is the reward 
for fasting openly? Well, the reward for fasting would be the answer to what fasting is supposed to accomplish. In other words, if it is accomplished, you got the reward of it. Well, we're not going to teach on fasting, but we, we've taught on it extensively. One thing is it's a wineskin preserver. In other words, it will kill your flesh. It'll kill the appetites of the flesh. The other thing is, is that it kills doubt and unbelief. It destroys doubt and unbelief. It, uh, it destroys it to where that the word says you're a mountain. You can move all mountains. All things are possible. So if you get the reward of fasting, the reward of fasting, the openly reward of... Now, this one you can't hide. This one you can't... If you say, well, I don't want reward. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. If you get the reward of fasting and you start doing miraculous, that's going to be open and it cannot be hid. Jesus couldn't be hid. You're not going to be hid. You're going you're to have to say, oh, God, help me with not wanting... You know, I, I, don't, want, I don't want attention either. I don't want it. I want the reward of being saved. Get up, get up, and then get up. And not get up later. And not get up because, you know, most, if not all, but most everybody that's in a wheelchair, a lot of people, they can get up a little bit. A lot of them can. A lot of, I mean, a lot of people can. They can move a lot. And some, sometimes preachers will pray for people, and in zealousness, you know, they can get them up just to take a step and say, my God, they got healed, they got healed, they got healed. Listen, the revival that we're after, the guy pushes his wheelchair out. Most all of them I've ever seen, they've taken a couple steps, got right back in the in the. Can you hear? Can you hear? Can you? Listen, if you're in front of about 200 people, you're, you're, you're either going to be so embarrassed that you're going to fringe on the level of lying a little bit or stretching the truth. Yeah, I think I, think I can. Listen, the revival that we're after is certifiable. It's not just like, I think the guy got healed. The guy pushes his wheelchair out. When Dave prayed for that guy in the parking lot or in here, and the guy came up, oh, we all saw, I don't know if you were here, but the guy had, I believe he had just had a rod put in his back. He was just terrible. I'm terrible. Is that right, Mavis? Yeah, yeah. you guys are shaking your And Marty comes in there. Me and Dave are sitting in that desk, and he goes, you guys need to come. Because the guy got prayed for by Pastor Dave and got miraculously healed. He was stiff and couldn't hardly walk. When he got prayed for, Marty said he watched him go out, and he was like, well, isn't that the most unappreciated? He just, as soon as, I mean, Dave keeps praying for me, he just left, just left. And it was like, that's really rude. I mean, you got prayed for, couldn't stay around to see. And, but the guy went out to test it out. And so Marty comes into my office. Dave and I are sitting there, and we're talking. He goes, I think you guys need to come out here and see this. He goes, you know, the guy is out, the guy, the guy with the, the bad back, because he'd had a, uh, he had had all kinds of surgeries or one or two surgeries. He had a rod put in his back, and he's a young man. And uh, Marty says he's out there in the parking lot <laughs> doing cartwheels. And I said, "Okay, praise God, man. That's really no, no, no." He goes, "No, you don't understand. 
And he's looking at David. You don't understand. That's what he's literally doing cartwheels. He's doing the car. I said, he goes, you got to come out here. So Dave and I, we walk out there and the guy is like running through the parking lot, flipping and doing cartwheels. His back is totally 100% totally healed. That's revival that we're going to receive that it's certifiable. It's certifiable. It's not like ask them 10 questions and then everybody go, well, they probably got a touch. And I'm not running down getting a touch because touches can be, you know, they can lead to a permanent change if the individual really works on it. But amen. Hallelujah. So the reward for fasting is what? Uh, you're you're going to be a dead man walking. That's the open reward. People are going to see that. They may not say, oh, there's... There's the reward, for, but they're going to recognize this person. You can't hardly make them mad or they're just they're just the lovingest people I've ever seen. Besides for that, the doubt and the unbelief goes and everywhere they go, something happens. They might not be a person that likes attention at all, but I'm sorry. You can't get away from this one. The open reward is mountain moving faith. Hallelujah. Um, I didn't get enough amens on that one. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Um, Jesus said this concerning himself. Um, Jesus answered, you don't have to turn there. This is John 9. We're getting close. John 9, 3 says, and Jesus answered, neither hath this man sinned. He's talking about the, this is talking about the blind man that the disciples thought, you know, who he was blind from his mother's birth. Who sinned, this man or his parents? Jesus answered, Neither has this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God should be made manifest to him. I must work the works of him. Jesus had a works mentality, a right works mentality of him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. As long as I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. And I would say this, we must work the works of God while it's still day. Jesus is the light of the world, but we are the we are the light to the world. Now, in closing, I'll say this: uh, those of you in the out there in the camera world, you know, we've got a, a moderate group here tonight, not an extremely big group, so they're going to have to really help me out with this. Um, I would like for you to accuse me of works. What do you mean, Pastor? I would like for you to say, Pastor, you're into works. Thank you. Thank you. Let's all stay it, say it together. One, two, three. Pastor, you're into works. Hallelujah. Now, could you say it like you really mean it? Pastor, you're into works. Woo! I can't hear you. One more time. Pastor, you're into works. Hallelujah. Oh, glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. While you're in prayer, think like this. I'm in the work of revival. There is a reward coming for me. God is not a man that he can lie. I will, re I will reap the reward of prayer if I do not faint. Now, one more accusation, because I love accusations. Would you please accuse me of wanting a reward? Would you say, Pastor, all you want is a reward? Now say it like you really mean it. Like, Pastor, the, all you want is a reward out of this. 
Oh, that's music to my ears. One more time, can you please excuse me real well? Pastor, that's all you want is a reward, please. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. You got it. Hallelujah. Let's all stand. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Well, Father, we do want the spiritual reward, not the accolades of man, but for the Holy Ghost to say, here's what you get out of this. Here's what you get out of the hours of praying in tongues. The blind see, the lame walk, your family gets saved, your husband, your wife, you affect them in this way in no other way that only God can do. So we receive that reward and we labor in hope. This is what our hope, this is our, we're massaging our hoper because we see that these rewards are coming to us, not in the sweet by and by, but now in this life. Immokalee is saved and the regions around us go forth in the salvation of the Lord. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name, God bless you. Amen. We'll see you Sunday. Blessed.